This is where the fun begins. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Can't lose! King Kong ain't got shit on me! Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! Say my name. And here we go. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Grab your snacks, get your popcorn ready. It's about to get realish, and I, of course, am honored to be joined by my two esteemed co-hosts beneath me, well, ne never beneath me in spirit, just in <laughs> physical form. My guy, Matt Torado, and then to my left, the podfather himself, the reason we're all here, Derek Myers. How's it going, brothers? Oh, well, I'm doing well. You got, how y'all doing? I'm doing fabulous. I'm doing fabulous. Great to see you amazing people again. Being able to talk about another movie. I'm excited. Yes, a movie that I definitely enjoyed as well. A movie that I certainly enjoyed, but I also kind of, it, it hurts the spirit, right? It's a, it's not a, a happy movie by any means, uh, but hopefully us talking about the, the many different aspects of this film could leave you with some happy feelings for the for at least right that's the most important thing but while we're here make sure that you're following the brand at ots media co on all social media platforms ots media on youtube uh so that you're you're notified as soon as we drop a new video and you could get all of our content delivered straight to your inbox you never miss an awesome episode of what we have going on here at, at ots now before we get into our feature presentation Let's just go around the horn and give everyone our socials. So, Matt, where can the people find you? Yep, you guys can find me over on Instagram at Matt underscore T29. Yes, sir. And you could find me at Negrong MMA on Twitter as well as TikTok and Chris Negrong underscore on Instagram. Derek, how can the people find you? Sir, at Derek underscore OTS. That's D-E-R-R-I-C-K, the black way to spell it. And don't you ever get it wrong, God damn it! Yes, sir. For today, <laughs> we are very excited to jump right into our feature presentation because we have a lot to cover. But the movie that we're going to be talking about today is Killers of the Flower Moon, released in 2003, directed, of course, by one Martin Scorsese. I'm very happy to be discussing this film, and we're going to be going in a couple different directions as far as giving the holistic breakdown. But I think it's only right that we start first with the storyline. Uh, there is so much to unpack. Uh, but Matthew, why don't you hit us off by reading off the IMDb so we can get a general gist of what we have in store. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to do y'all better. Do y'all one better. I got the synopsis memorized, baby. I got to memorize for once. Let's go ahead and do this. So essentially the film is about a, a scheme Oh, hold on. Backtrack here. Sorry about that. <laughs> Memorize. <laughs> yeah, got this. Three, two, one. Let's get into it. Um, essentially, in the 1920s, there was a scheme involving um, the O'Shea's nation members in which multiple members were killed in order for uh, white corrupt men uh, to take over their lands. Um, that is a very sort of simplistic way of describing the story. Um, and with it being three hours long, I think there's, there's a lot to unpack, um, as you would see in terms of motivations in terms of characters, in terms of really just the treatment uh, of the OTAs members and ultimately how Native Americans in general have not been been treated historically well by the United States. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be 
a very you know serious discussion i think more serious than uh perhaps uh we i think we've ever been just because of uh the undertaking that martin scorsese and obviously his team did and um yeah i think i'm looking forward to it. it's going to be a very interesting discussion i think Definitely, definitely a, a heavy topic for sure. And I'm sure we're going to be as tactful as possible when discussing these things. Cause I feel in some ways, right. I, it's a little bit of a gripe that I have with the film, as far as handling the subject matter of uh, these. Oh, I, I, I'm terrible with pronouncing this. Are we going with Osade? The Osage. Osage. I, I believe it's Osage. Okay. Thank you. Um, so without further ado, I think it's only right that we get into our own sort of perspectives on the storyline of the film. I think for me, going along the journey with uh, Leo's character, right, going along the story of getting, obviously, him arriving with his uncle, right, and sort of a, uh, being accustomed to this new area that he's moved to, and then very quickly, right, but there's a lot of different things that the, the story's trying to get across. So you're kind of along for the journey. And there's a lot of like time skips as well. So it's a lot of ground we're trying to cover here. But um, you sort of see the journey of his uncle laying out this plan in order for not only him, but for generations of, to come for his family to have the uh, blessing of being awarded the sort of pension from the oil money that was distributed to the um, indigenous people of this area. And the way that he planned on doing that from the beginning was very explicitly said, you know, basically to find, find you a woman and get in her good graces. And from there, uh, once you get married, basically, um, and this is something that we learned throughout the film, right? It's not something we'd learn immediately, but as soon as you're married to one of these women, it's almost like you have full custody over their entire livelihood and life. Um, and in a lot of ways, a lot of these people were treated as if whatever inheritance they might have gotten, it wasn't theirs uh, to claim anyway, right? A lot of times they had people who served as almost a third party over them. Uh, deciding whether or not their transactions are proper, what they should do with their money. And then, of course, um, it's hard, not hard to imagine that some of those people are shady and are finding ways to steal money from these people, too. So um, I I thought the, the majority of the storyline, I will say this, needed some brevity, right? There was a lot that needed to be told here especially as far as like historical context um but then once we got into the meat of the sort of um almost like a who got him storyline right where it, it's throughout some parts of this film we're not even subject as an audience to all the depraved thinking of the main character and his uncle uh, a lot of that happens off screen right and because of the different sort of milestones in their objectives with people eventually getting murdered along the way, um, you sort of see how deep and deranged it's become, right? Where we get to a point where we're quite literally murdering people just because you have a sense that they are on to you and your plots and what you've done. Um, so I think obviously the objective, right, of making a character for us to hate I think this this film checks all boxes in that way. I think the entire time um, there's no redeeming character uh, qualities of the main character. You're just entirely against him and sort of, of almost like begging for Molly to come to the realization of what's going on around her. Um, and I felt like throughout multiple stops of the the film, there were parts where 
felt like she was right there. Like she knew that he was the reason why, or, or to some extent him coming has been the reason why all of these things have unraveled the way they did. Um, and that, that just made the movie so much more riveting for me because I knew obviously how much I hate this person. Right. And, and what he's doing. Um, but getting to see how he is eventually caught and how the the plan sort of unravels, I thought was a really fascinating way to tell the story that definitely kept me at the edge of my seat, even though it was three and a half hours long. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think the, um, for, for a movie that, that um, was this long, I thought that the story was very, the story was very, very, well done i thought the pacing of it was was actually perfect um the 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 build-up in the beginning uh where you're talking about um oh my goodness i had his name Ernest. when you're talking about yes. Ernest's perspective uh coming back from war and just trying to get integrated back into society and like de niro miss william william hale William, I thought, had a very interesting uh, um, uh, quality about, I wouldn't say quality, interesting approach about his character. Because you're looking at him as an old man, and he's just welcoming his nephew back and, and trying to help him get established into the community. But it's also like, at first, you kind of feel like he might be, you, you feel like he might be like a little shady, but then you're like, yeah, maybe not. And you see how, you know, integrated he is with the, the Osage community. It's like, that's different, right? Like, that they would be so welcoming of, of him. And he talked about having, uh, being the, 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 the friend of Molly's father for so many years, witnessing Molly and her sisters grow up, stuff like that. It was, it's, it's very, um, it's very uh, evil, <laughs> <laughs> it's evil the way no other he word. was able to, yeah it's evil the way he was able to integrate into that community and colonize it really like that's there's no other way to put it like that's that's essentially what took place here is they, they went into this into this um community and turned it upside down almost like they they even talked about it in the movie about um the uh the, i believe it was the chief that of the of the tribe that was talking about how this is not what we're used to. We don't we we didn't we didn't grow up like this and have all these problems and and now they're they're looking at it like they're just in survival mode all the time. Which you could see you could actually feel the the desperation from them to get away from uh uh from white people, right? Like it, there's no other way to put it. That's essentially what took place. Um, so I, I found that the, the pacing of it was was very I thought the build up from the beginning to the end was actually perfect because you knew you knew what was going to end up happening, like how this was going to go. But at the same time, it's like it, you, you almost couldn't see it, which is kind of different. It's very Martin, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think all of you bring some very you know interesting points to the table and. I think sort of one of the most interesting ju juxtapositions of the film is really in the opening scene and then obviously the, the scenes that follow in which we obviously see the original O'Shea's people discovering oil for the first time and it being viewed as a sort of blessing. 
uh, for them to discover something that they themselves, you know, didn't realize was on their land. And the sad reality of it all is that oil breeds wealth, wealth breeds greediness, and greediness breeds evil. Um, and sort of seeing how, you know, these white businessmen were very particular about their approach, you know, and very particular about the ways they wanted things to get done, um, and how their schemes just involved straight murder. And I think one of the most disturbing aspects of the film is something that I think Scorsese, you know, does very well is violence. I think oftentimes violence is a tool for entertainment, but in this particular case, the sequences involving the deaths of the mem the members of this nation was done so quickly and it felt so physical and real that as an audience member, it happened in such a quick fashion that you have no choice but the process, like what occurred, um, because that's ultimately how real life plays out. So I think what Scorsese does extremely well with, you know, subject matters like this or just uh, films of this genre is bringing authenticity to it and not, you know, shying away from the brutality that comes with, you know, a story like this, um, obviously. So I think um, th there's certainly not a better director to have taken on such a project. Um, but what I will say, and one of my biggest gripes of the film was the was the runtime. Um, I think this was felt it felt unbearable as a movie experience, not so much as a learning experience. So I think a film like this is incredibly important as to just give insight as to really the history of the United States. And to your point, Derek, just with the potentially being a modern version of colonization, you know, nothing like back in the 1700s was just to sort of see how these white men infiltrated this community, only married women within the community, not because they loved them, but because there is that ulterior motive of securing their land, right? Um, but as a film, when it came to pacing, there were numerous scenes, numerous that could have just been cut down entirely or simply taken out of the film. I think the second act in particular felt incredibly redundant. I mean, outside the sequences that involved certain um, members, you know, obviously being killed, that would, you know, progress the story along and allow Molly, um, who's obviously the the female protagonist of the film, right, to, you know, obviously all the deaths motivate her to go to Washington, D.C., get help from the FBI so that they conduct an actual investigation of what's been happening for the past couple of years. A lot of the other scenes just felt almost pointless and redundant because we kept seeing repeated scenes between Leonardo DiCaprio's character and Robert De Niro's character having conversations about how things are unraveling. We're constantly given insights as to how he's dangerous, but other than the fact that he's sort of asking of other people to go through with these murders, I never felt intimidated by his presence. I knew that he was evil. It's very obvious that he was evil. But I just think the, the film did not do justice in making him a, a three-dimensional character. I think he felt one-dimensional. Um, though the counter to that point is maybe that's the point. You know, some people don't necessarily need motivation to be evil. They're just evil for the sake of being evil. And maybe they're all, and in this particular instance, their only motivation was money. Though I think just to make it a bit more compelling, I think, you know, just because he obviously didn't want to take any creative liberties unless they absolutely had to. 
but I think finding a way to sort of make him more than just a evil businessman uh, who wants, you know, wants to kill people. I think there could have been an interesting way to make him. I don't know, just to give insight as to like like what led to him becoming the man that he is. Like what would allow someone to think this way, to act this way, and actually go through with what he did for, you know, close to a decade. Um, so I think the film could have done, you know, a better job in that category. But um I think storyline wise, this was definitely one that um was like I said, this very enlightening. I think this makes you realize the the troubled history that we as a country have, and ultimately how much help, you know, what I think is just is awful. I I think there's really no other way to to put it. You know, it's um, it's just, it's a tragedy for sure, and you know, you just it makes you wonder, you know, how anyone could do something like this in the first place. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, man. I think as far as William Hale goes, um, certainly it was so easy, obviously, to hate him for what he's doing, but also just the way, like, like you said, Derek, the way you're a part of this community and looked at as almost uh, the, the trope of the white savior, right? Like, even in his eyes, to a certain extent, he took credit, right, for uh, making these people no longer being savages, right? Like, that was a, a big yeah. theme that w was underlying in this entire film. Um, to sort of be like, hey, yeah, I could, I could line my pockets in these ways and it's justified because I domesticated these people virtually. Like, right. that's the way he was looking at it. Um, and I, I, I sort of disagree with you a little bit, Matt. I think, obviously, whenever you got a three-hour and 35-minute uh, movie, there's parts that can't be cut down. Like, I acknowledge that for sure. Um, but I think having the different examples um, where we go through um even it, once again sorry for not having all these names at the ready but even um i believe his name was robert the man that uh was molly's first husband um in the, her traditional husband so to speak that he was known as being someone who was fighting with depression in the film they referred to as melancholic right he's melancholic and mm -hmm. he he was looked at as someone who was basically at death's door um talked about uh committing suicide multiple times and we find out right through being introduced to this character that not only is a this person i, I felt like his inclusion and in that storyline really added a dimension to the tribe as far as seeing like the interworkings of uh, um obviously how these different people uh relate to one another but ultimately how um, the effects of these people coming into this land and over time what that leads to. And then we get the full sort of 100-foot perspective is not only is this guy sort of tortured by his own existence and dealing with these things, uh, but you zoom out and you find out, you know, that his uncle, Ms. William Hale, has a life insurance policy on this man and is sort of trying to navigate yeah. the, the, all the different ways um, – that he could find to sort of profit off this community um, in the most vulnerable people, right? Like uh, it's super um, humbling as a movie experience because of how exploitative uh, William Hill is and how everyone, even uh, Ernest, like you, thank you for clarifying the name, right? I want to go Leo all day, but Ernest, <laughs> his character, um, I thought I hated as well throughout the entire film, even more so than Hale, because he, in some ways, 
actually was involved in the marriage, right? He was involved in the actual assimilating into the culture, right? It wasn't like a third person removed us to say, you know, that's my son. It was you. You're married to this woman. And yet and still behind her back, you're orchestrating her family's demise around her. And then ultimately, it didn't even feel like a clear sense on the goal was there once we got to the part where they dynamite um, her second sister's house. Because at that point, it just felt like we need to make sure we don't get caught. Like, it's not at this point, we're not even worried about the money. Like, at this point, we just got to make sure that these people that are onto us um, don't let everyone else know what we've done because clearly they know like that level of guilt. And then seeing that whole part play out. Like I never once felt anything for Ernest as far as feeling bad for him. Cause if anything, I've always felt sort of doubled down on like, wow, you're such a scum of the earth. Right. Um, but as the film sort of goes on, you see how he realizes the ways in which he was puppeteered. Right. And the ways in which, he didn't really understand what he was getting himself into. And there's there was a strange moment for me there while I kind of did feel for him, even though, once again, deplorable shit. And no matter what, you would like to think if you were in that scenario, you would be able to see through that, right? But to have that perspective, I think it speaks to, uh, once again, the brilliance of the character and the acting in this one from Leo to bring us to a place where hold on, we're realizing actually, you know, I was taking, I was also taken advantage of by Will. And then it becomes a whole 360 again, where mm-hmm. now we get into the legal side of it. And then he's like, you know what, actually, I'm going to side with you guys. The, the lawyers, all the people that were investigating me, they were torturing me and they were doing these things to get a confession out of me. Like even then, even when I thought I had the moral moment of, oh, he's awoken to what he's done. And now he has to deal with that. No, we didn't even get that because then it became about self-preservation again. Um, And I thought that just hit so hard for me. And that's why I think the longer form storytelling is justified because I I don't know how we would have gotten that payoff of, wait, no, is this person redeemable? Holy shit, not at all. Like times 10, even more so regardless of how topically this story is unforgivable regardless when you're in it like that for so long and you sort of go through the ebbs and flows i thought it was pretty um once again whenever i consider films in general something that i think is president for me is the ability to make me feel something and throughout following Ernest throughout this whole story i i felt a whole lot of things mostly fucking anger uh but by the end i kind of got conflicted there for a bit and i thought Without the longer form storytelling, I don't think we would have got there. I agree with that. I agree with that. I'm sorry, Matt. No, no, I think I, I, I can't agree, and I'm not like trying to, not trying to be a pain, but it's only because all of what you described, I think, is a very, it's a beautiful analysis, but it can still be done in a two-hour, two and a half-hour-long film, and. So many scenes in this film were just blatantly unnecessary or needlessly long. I think, and ironically, the film doesn't end in a satisfying way. And again, maybe maybe there is technically not meant to be a payoff. But near the end of the film, we obviously cut to uh, a sort of like uh, reenact like sort of like reenactment where we have a bunch of speakers on the stage and Mark Mark Scorsese makes a cameo appearance 
it sort of like hastily wraps up all the events of the film instead of finding a way to sort of have proper closure. And I only say that because there are just multiple moments in the film where we are introduced to characters, whether it be, uh, I think Charles, you mentioned, is the one who had suffered from depression. Uh, Henry. Or was it? No, Henry. I'm sorry. Henry, who was um, um, trying not to like, go out of order chronologically, but Henry was the person who was killed, correct? Yes. What are the, okay. The person that was uh, shot Molly, Molly's technical husband, right? First husband? Yes. Okay, good. So I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure, but like, I feel there's just numerous characters who will be introduced, would disappear, would be reintroduced, and I think for me, I just wasn't able to develop a connection with them because they were just gone for like for such long periods of time. And I already am bad enough with names, hence why I sort of confirmed the, you know, obviously wanted to confirm with you guys. So not having, so I, I'm not saying that like a person should be consistently on the screen. Obviously, the film is in this case not about Henry. So obviously, meant the the court is just really two things, right? It's obviously exploring the relationship between Ernest and his uncle, and ultimately er, er, Ernest and Molly. So. I'm not expecting side characters to, to appear regularly, but I do expect them to be a proper extension, right? Having a quick expositional dump on what a character has been going through is not enough for me to, to, to say that it's compelling. I think it's a fascinating direction. And if they had used this mammoth runtime to really hone in on what people were feeling on a day-to-day -day basis, I think that would have made it more infinitely compelling. Now, the aspect that I enjoyed about the film was, I mean, obviously Molly was incredible in the film uh, for many reasons, obviously, sort of all the hardship they endured, the discovery of, you know, uh, her, the members of her nation being killed. So everything she went through. And obviously at the time, diabetes wasn't, you know, treatable. So we obviously saw her getting, you know, regular insulin shots. Um, I think there was mentions of, I believe it was her sister or another family member who had passed. And then obviously uh, the diabetes regressed to a point where she was bedridden and, you know, the evil just kept, you know, uh, you know, like festering, right? So I think that aspect and being able to sort of explore how it didn't have this like a mental effect on nation members. They were just multiple nation members in general who had, you know, physical disabilities and having to cope with both at the same time is, is already difficult enough. So yeah, I think that, you know, I, I'm not one to like discredit runtime most of the time. I think in this particular instance, there. I, I just honestly feel like much of what was being explored in the film can still be done within the two hour to two hour two hour thirty minute film, and you know I just yeah so that was really like my, like I said that was really my only main gripe about the film. I mean I'm sure we'll be obviously we'll be covering you know the rest of the aspects of the film, but you know it's just it's not it's not one that I feel was justified um, at all and when the pacing is very inconsistent, 
um and some of the editing choices were very odd as well and again we'll we'll i'll touch on that point uh once we you know reset aspect of the of the film but um it was a lot of like inconsistencies in terms of how the film was structured i think the premise and the basis of the film was excellent it was just the executional aspects that could have been improved upon and could have made i feel the viewing experience far better but I'm so glad to have watched, you know, this film in the end, obviously, and the story that it told, you know, not only for us, but this also being, you know, um, an opportunity for just people in general to realize not only what this particular nation went through, but what Native Americans have been going through for, you know, centuries at this point, and not just in this regard, right? So, I think um, I would disagree with you a little bit. Well, on the, on your point about the runtime, um, and actually mainly with with Henry's character, right? So you were talking about how um, you kind of feel like you didn't feel a connection to his character with um, with this film. I actually did because I, I felt like his character. I felt like the relationship between William and and Henry was actually uh, symbolic of what white people were doing to native americans i, I kind of felt like it was a story within a story so you're actually seeing william take advantage of his suffering throughout their entire relationship wrap his hand his arm around him call him friend and stuff like that tell him that he had his best interest at heart when all he wanted was what he could get from him which was money because he had an insurance policy on him which i think that whole thing kind of threw me off too because like how do you have an insurance policy on on an employee that that threw me way off um but i I felt like this was i felt like that aspect of it is kind of something that we don't really see within filmmaking too much nowadays which is symbolism symbolism to me is something that i like being able to to see within movies because it adds another layer and, and and texture to the story itself um so like you know, you can go through you know film history. Some a lot of films you saw prior, I'd say probably like maybe twenty years prior would have a lot of it in there. So like the Matrix is one that comes to mind for me that had a lot of symbolism within the movie that you could pick up on, uh, whether it was characters or um, uh, uh, set design and stuff like that. I kind of felt like that's what his his uh, Henry's character was for this film, which was just. The symbolism of what white people were doing to his people you know what i'm saying um but i thought the pace of it i don't know that we would have had the runtime itself being over three hours long i feel like we wouldn't have had as an in-depth of a story without it being that long because i think you need to have time to develop uh uh characters um I think you need time to be able to develop uh, uh, opposition sometimes. I think you need to have time to develop uh, um, tension as well. So you can see that that tension between Ernest and, and William was building probably, I'd say, maybe like around the halfway point of the film on, right? Because he was he was trusting him the entire time. But the the moment when he stopped trusting William was when... Um, when he started, when William told me, I need you to sign this document, 
and it's like wait whoa what <laughs> like now now you're turning it on me like like i think that's when when their relationship actually started to splinter um because his realization was i'm being used just like these people and he didn't he didn't pick up on that right i think there was like little things you could tell the like from the very moment when 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 uh when uh Ernest came into town that that's exactly what William's plan was was to use his nephew in order to get more money right it had nothing to do with with his love for his nephew to say hey i think you should you should do this because this would be great for you no it's it would be great for me in the long run right and that's how that's how william was looking at it his ability to go to marry into into uh the the tribe and and stuff like that was all at at his benefit right so i think like i don't i, th I thought the runtime was actually perfect because you there were so many elements with this film that i don't know that we would have been able to see had it not been uh that long of a movie so now I just want to jump in and be a sort of buffer because I think we could kind of go back and forth on this all night. I think ultimately um, something that we all could agree on is, yes, three and a half hours is a very long time, regardless of what film it is, right? And I think what was the problem, I, and hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn, Matt, but I think a big problem of justifying a film that this that is this large is we did miss out on a lot of things that happened that, in my opinion, were crucial to the main story, despite it being three plus hours long. Examples of this for me were obviously getting to see Ernest's actual transition um, from being this happy person that is going through this. Like while we were watching in the beginning throughout the first hour, I thought the story was wholeheartedly going to be initially the intentions were to go about these things this way but then meeting this woman changed him like that's how i felt right, um, right the the story was progressing and then it jumped immediately to us finding out that this person that was murdered actually he was responsible for it like what like that middle part in my opinion that we lost out on is a huge story gap and was a big part of what was going to keep us there emotionally, especially um, in a place where it's not just about sympathy, right? We're not, we're not just watching the film like, oh man, I feel bad for these people. It was more so ab about Ernest's storyline as well. And I think that part, not having that through line throughout and it turning out to be all these people are just selfish and greedy can be a unsatisfactory sort of finishing parts of the movie so I, I I feel like I get both sides on this. So I I'm yeah. Switzerland here. I had to I had to bridge yeah. the gap a little bit here, uh, but ultimately yeah. I think all of us are a fan of the storytelling yeah. in this film and and the way um, we've gotten to the end to get where we are. But I think it's important now that we pivot and talk a little bit more about the acting performances throughout this film. Anybody yeah. that you guys want to give a specific shout to or specific moments that maybe impacted you more than others, uh, please feel free. Yeah, I think you know Lily Gladstone as as Molly, and I say that because I think she brought you know so much nuance and, and depth to her role. Um, 
you know, particularly when she just she brought such a presence to this film and in with a character like this it's very easy to do more than you have to if that makes sense right mm -hmm. i feel like she brought the right amount of emotion i feel like her chemistry with uh with leonardo was done was beautifully done you can tell that they spent a lot of time, you know, working out scenes and obviously making sure that they're bringing the story to life. And uh, a scene, and this is pro probably a cliched <laughs> um, answer, but the one that comes to mind was her discovering the body of her sister and sort of the the other horror of, of just seeing, you know, someone she loved in that state. And also just a follow-up you know, to that scene as well, just uh, where she wasn't just sort of screaming, she was just disgusted at how, you know, the two doctors were literally opening up the body to discover the bullet, when in reality, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they were, what was it they were trying to do specifically again? I know the, the, the finding of the bullet was a cover-up, but I just yeah. can't recall what the, what their intention was. I thought it was to do the autopsy, but yeah. I think what they're, if I'm not, of course, what they were doing was definitely not that, like, they, they did like a, uh, like a public butchering, which, which made no sense. I'm assuming it was to do more research on the body, um, but I, I didn't pick up on that, that aspect of it to say for sure if that's what it was. Yeah. Um, no, that's okay. And I think that um yeah, it just I, I just remembered the the sort of payoff to that scene when the FBI investigators came to to interview them about uh, about her death. But um I digress. I think just you know, her acting in the film was was marvelous. The one uh where her neighbor was killed, um, and sort of the the literal breakdown she had when she was hiding in the basement, you know, with obviously the rest of their family while she was pregnant was, was incredible. And I think also just even where there are moments of sort of like levity, um, she never overplayed any scene. Mm -hmm. Um, her dialogue was very natural. The way she interacted with her, you know, with the with the fellow actors was natural. And this is a very difficult thing to do because again, you know, when you're bringing such subtlety and nuance to a performance like that. Um, you have to register your emotions through, through facial expressions, and every moment she was on screen, I knew exactly what a character was thinking. I knew exactly what a character was feeling, and that is a very difficult task to to go through. And I feel like, you know, she's the, you know, if we're you know given giving rankings for performances, I feel like she's the undisputed you know MVP. And I know that's sort of like a a default answer, but I I, I think that. She really said toe to toe with the likes of Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, for sure. Oh yeah, no, most definitely, I agree with that. Um, I'm actually going to, cause yeah, you, I want to say her too. Um, really, really did an amazing job. I, I actually want to say Brendan Fraser. I think Brendan Fraser, um, is someone that I think over the last, mm, I want to say maybe the last five to eight years. 
he's uh, been popping up a little more, uh, coming back and, and doing small roles in certain movies, but um, he has a strong presence. And I think that as um, as the lawyer in, in this film, he did an amazing job uh, trying to establish uh, 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 his 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 defendant's uh story uh in the courtroom that it was so so powerful that it actually uh i think it's it actually scared Ernest. you know what i'm saying like when they did that uh that little meet at the at uh, after the the trial and whatnot um it seems as if he was really uh scared um <laughs> for his life after after uh coming across um how was the name of the lawyer again i don't Calling Brendan, um, Mr. Hamilton, I believe. Hamilton, yes. Um, I thought he did an amazing job, and also uh, Jesse Plemons as Tom White. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> Jesse does an amazing job, I think, in his roles. Um, he's someone I think I started watching, seeing, uh, noticing him in Breaking Bad, but. He does an amazing job within his roles, and um, this one it was like it was very subtle, but he was also someone that, while he was subtle in his um his approach, he was very uh demanding of like what he wanted to be done, even though the FBI, which was newly formed, like it was so new that nobody even knew what what um what the Federal Bureau of Investigations was at that point, but it didn't matter. Like, he came in knowing that, you know, it still took them forever to get to Oklahoma um, to, to investigate, but for them to, to include him into the story, and it almost felt as if he was the sheriff of the town. Like, the actual sheriff wasn't even, didn't have, a, have any type of presence at, at all. all. No. which I found to be very interesting. He came in and stepped into that role to demand proper law and order uh, in the town, and and I, I thought he did an amazing job. So, yeah, Jesse Plemons, Brendan Fraser, I think, perfect uh, supporting cast uh, for this film. Man, I love that you brought up that character because it brings up an even more fun discussion that I was really looking forward to asking and talking to you guys about. Um, so that character, um, Tom, what is his last Tom White. Tom White. Yeah. Originally, um, the that was the character that Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to be playing in this film. Oh. And the storyline was centered around that sort of solving the crime story, where he is this guy being tasked with the first FBI mission to figure out what the fuck is going on in this area, and that was the initial story after some talks back and forth leo was the one that actually said that he wanted to play this version where he would be Ernest's character and then all these other things sort of having to grapple with the different parts of being that person like in this role was what excited him more than sort of being that detective which i found really cool to read about um, and that's actually what got this uh, story picked was because he, uh, he when you got that kind of pull, you got that kind of pull. But he literally got them to rewrite the whole script um, yeah. to be entirely about a different story um, and then got a, a 
a studio to sell off on it. Like that's that's pretty remarkable shit right there as far as what yeah. you're able to pull off. Um, but all things considered, I couldn't agree with all those points more. I thought John Lithgow, any time a film pulls out John Lithgow out the back pocket, like <laughs> it, it hits a perfect sweet spot for me. I think he, I've loved him in so many different roles and he has kind of the same character, um, but it didn't feel out of place. Now, I think it's important to mention that because Robert De Niro is in this film and I think he plays the same guy that he always is, right? I'm looking at you, uh, what was that most recent movie? Um, the mob movie where I heard you paint houses. What what is it called again? The um, Irishman. Yes. Yes. Right. Thank you. Yes. The Irishman. Yes. Um, to me, his character felt like an import of that character, despite the <laughs> worlds being so different. Yeah. Like <laughs> his input as an actor was very much so. I am who I am, and I'm gonna be me regardless. And I thought that uh, topical thing kind of took me out of it a little bit too i was like man this is just de niro being de niro in the 20s and it doesn't make sense like it's kind of kind of was weird in that way um but obviously the main shout outs go to molly and her character um but i think also leo for what he was able to accomplish exactly. here i think there was a lot of nuance once again and the fact that i guess that he didn't catch that he was being used until the very end like that um in my opinion, really makes you think about the self-preservation aspect of all this, right? Uh, as far as him considering that the entire time, like, no, I just need to do all this stuff because I need to get my end goal. And then once we got there, the, the sort of realization of, oh, shit, I was a pawn in this sort of larger scheme now that I've seen how he's recruited all these different people to do these different things. Mm -hmm. And then come to find out, even if I were to try to go against the system now that I've unplugged, I'm still going to end up with life in jail because what I did ultimately speaks for itself. And I think um, portraying a character that is not remorseful and yet comes to a point where they almost kind of hate themselves. Like I thought that was a, a, a hell of a performance there from Leo. And then all, all the, all the other guys you mentioned, I felt like in general, just, um, everyone around the tribe and it, it was just so authentic uh their heritage and the stuff that they did show um that was positive and i honestly it made me feel like i wished for more of that too um because ultimately this story is really about what happened to these people and not these people and i think that story is actually a little more interesting right it's not as exploitative but um yeah man i think across the board there wasn't really anyone besides um <laughs> <laughs> besides De Niro, that kind of made me feel uh, a little uneasy about their performance. I thought everyone felt uh, right at home in this one. Yeah, I think, um, quite honestly, I mean, outside the Irishman, I think this is debatably De Niro's best performance in years. Um, I think he brings uh, a lot of wit, uh, obviously brings some sort of um, comedy, I only use that word loosely because um, what he's doing isn't funny, but sort of the the back the back and forth or the exchanges he has with some of the you know some of the members are obviously with Ernest, um, sort of make you, like for for a second you forget like who he is and you think of their relationship as just an ordinary uncle and nephew relationship, mm -hmm. but then you add the context of oh wow, that's the disturbing part. 
is yeah. where they can just go home, go about their lives, and act like what they've done is perfectly normal. Right. You know? Um so yeah, I, I just think the Nero was, you know, was incredible in the film. I, I, what I also appreciate too is I think he brought um plenty of nuance. Scenes where he could have been sort of this angry person, you know, laying into laying into people, especially when the FBI um um obviously arrived in Oklahoma mm-hmm. and Ernest goes to him during a sort of festival and uh um I'm forgetting. Oh my goodness! I'm forgetting De Niro's character's name now. Uh, um, Henry, right? No, not Henry. Um, William. 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 There you go. Thank you. How William's telling him to calm down, calm down. Um, the way he sounded stern, but didn't play it over the top. I thought was was incredibly done. And I think also too, De Niro and Scorsese have worked together for years now, yeah. so they know. I guarantee you when a scene is done, they'll talk it over with each other and say, okay, maybe we can pull back a little bit, maybe add a little bit more here and there. So having that relationship, you know, established already is very helpful. And then I, I think Leonardo and, and the Nero's relationship is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, they've collaborated for the past couple of years and um, it's clear as day that they'll, they'll continue to be, to be good partners, you know, moving forward. So no, I agree with that. I actually think De Niro did a great job in this movie too. I um, I I like how how um, because I I believe I told you guys before, but the villain is my favorite part of a story, because the stronger the villain is, the stronger the hero can be as well, or should be, I should say. Uh, a lot of some films you actually see where the, where that does that dynamic doesn't line up, but I I like a good a really well developed villain, um, and I thought he I thought his story was um his character was was developed very well. I like the fact that he's he's he was disarming, but uh very very cunning. At the same time, like someone you could you could you could see yourself trusting, <laughs> but being betrayed by at the same time, like you could see that happening, and I thought that was very well done. So yeah, I I would actually agree with you on that one, Matt. I think this to me, I think this is probably one of his best films in a in a in a while. Yeah, yeah. The I Irish think one, I think the, the best part. Kind of like, eh. Yeah, I was going to say the best thing that kind of came across was the experience that comes with having been there before, right? Like having done this already and that coming across as an actor, I'm sure is very difficult, especially when you consider what the I've been there, done that is in this Mm -hmm. story. It's 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 a lot to it's very weighty to think about. So um, I feel that I just I just found his voice and everything just too familiar. Like it, it just felt like <laughs> obviously with how different Leonardo's uh, in, in portraying Ernest was. Yeah, uh, it just felt like the same dude or just reskin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but- and I think and sort of the last point I want to bring up raised too, and sort of another gripe I had is sort of. And I, I think what, what Chris, what your gripe is, and I think like his character so follows the same formula. Right, I know this is based on the true story, but there are realistically only a few ways you can tell a corrupt businessman 
yeah. you know um yeah. and i think and and again that like like i said i i i personally cannot think of another way they could have approached you know that aspect of the story but that's ultimately what led it to being predictable right like we know he's going to be you continue exploiting the osage until he's eventually caught um we know that you know everything he says is him just putting up a facade right um and i think also too and i'm not sure maybe you guys would disagree with this um and i'm sure you would but i don't feel like i feel like the fi the film told us more about the exploitation than us seeing the actual exploitation take place so i only say that because we obviously do see a few key scenes with how he interacts with the nation members how he shows up the funerals but there's never and, and again maybe i'm just blanking but there's never a moment where outside of him you know requesting you know certain members to be killed that we see him take an active part now if that's just his role of you know playing behind the scenes and letting people do his dirty work that's fine but then at the same time that sort of leads to the whole formulaic aspect to it is that outside of money you know there's not sort of a, an effort on his part to you know to really do things himself or maybe i just then again maybe i just counter my my, my argument argument well, there but i don't know i was kind of I had a mixed bag and i'm not sure what you guys think but I, I think his character, and he said this basically that he was the king of that area, right? And, and I think he yeah. moved as if he was like, like, like Chris said before, like he was he was someone that took credit for for them getting into this position, right? And so I believe that because of that, he was he was one of these characters that was like high and mighty and and that he had his house on a hill type thing right like he was he he really felt as if he was the 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 guy there like the guy so i i i believe that when you're in that position right like you're not going to get your hands dirty right, right have right. people do all the dirty work for you like you saw for example with them um uh burning his fields and and uh the insurance guy was just like yo i just sold him an insurance policy on on that on that uh that property and it was you got you're gonna have some work in the morning huh like it, it it's he wanted certain things to happen and he was going to pay certain people to do certain things so that he didn't have to be there because you saw him going into the sheriff's office and, and turn himself in right as if nothing was going to happen you know, I think that that's that's that type of character, but I, I I would agree with you guys. I think it was kind of a um formulaic formulaic approach uh, with it, though. I think it's and it funny because yeah. go ahead. Oh, Matt, sorry. No, no, no. You're all good, Chris. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna I was gonna get into a separate point to say like it's kind of funny how he came in kind of like uh, it's gonna be inconsequential. Like, hey, I'm just here. You know, I'm just doing. And then even the sheriff. Sheriff is like, what you mean? Like, we're not we're, we're not arresting you for nothing. And he's like, no, it's okay. We got to do what's be what's, what needs to be done, basically. Um, and then come to find out by the end of the film that actually he didn't really face the full brunt of consequences that he should have for all the things he did. I think uh, the thing you mentioned earlier too about like how could you even get away with that? Like this was is the wild west of when all of 
these laws got established, right? Mm-hmm. We got to figure out how to prevent, uh, in order to figure out how to prevent theft, we got to get robbed a couple times, right? That's usually yeah. how this works. Um, so yeah. I thought it was fascinating to that aspect though, is, uh, as you mentioned, is we, we don't want to get our hands dirty, but then everyone, you could argue even earnest to a certain extent, everyone that they brought in to do these jobs were just so incompetent and like, so yes. Like yeah. so stupid. It, it almost felt like afterwards you can kind of feel William feeling like, damn, I just should have did it myself. Like yeah. that that's how it <laughs> felt each time. Yeah. Uh because yeah. of how um I, I guess how the the runs of the litter is the people they were picking to to sort of go out go out and finish these tasks for him. But yeah. um what what were you gonna say, Matt? To, to further that? No, you're good. I think and this sorry, I know I keep saying the last point and then I go on to another point. Promise this is the last point. But I also think that there were really this few st- like i was just surprised on how the movie didn't really explore like the prejudice and sort of the stereotypes that were used you know uh, against the osages because there were obviously like a few instances where like there was one scene where i think it was before molly's sister slaps um i think it was her husband Correct, was it her husband that she slapped early on in the film, where she came home drunk from the bar at home? It was her husband, right? And that was that was the second time he had married into the family. Um, you're talking about Anna, right? Anna's yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, his so, his brother. What what is? Oh yeah yeah yeah. No, Byron, his brother. Right? Yeah, Byron. Byron. Yes. Gotcha. Perfect. Gotcha. Thank you. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah yeah. Byron. So, and I yeah. think yeah. <laughs> it was either. I know it, it was in the same location. So being Molly's house, but I just can't recall if it was before that scene or later on. But there was like an older, like an older white couple who was sitting at the table with the mm-hmm. two children, mm-hmm. and they were like comparing sort of like their colors. So that's another interesting aspect that could have been further explored. I just feel like the film completely abandoned it altogether. I feel because I, like I said, I can't think of another instance where you sort of saw conversations. Or sort of saw whispers on how sort of these white people viewed you know the nation as a whole you know because outside of this money i feel like there just could have been like more of an emphasis on that and also like how the osage were cognizant of how you know they were being viewed you know and, and what kind of effect that has on you when you're being judged on a regular basis i just don't think the film like the film just didn't really like do that at all I you know what I mean? Feel like that was the undertone of the movie. I felt like that was that was the consistent undertone of it because while it may not explicitly tell you like that's how they uh, uh viewed the Osage, it was like you could see it in every look that a white person had when they saw uh, uh someone from the Osage tribe. I think like it was almost any interaction because i would i would argue not one person which was very interesting but not one person that was white that married into the tribe had any type of love like for their wives like you was you i i was like ernest i felt like he was probably the closest but even even in that interaction or that or that, that relationship it didn't seem as if he loved her equally as much mm-hmm. as she loved him, right? I felt like like 
you could even, I think she even said something about like, do you love me? And he's like, of course I do. And, and it's, and that was after her sister died and she was going through the motions and stuff like that. And she's asking, do you love me? And he's like, yeah, of course. But it was like more within in words and deeds. So I felt like every white person that interacted with anyone from that was Osage really just like that, what you're talking about, I felt like that was there the entire like time. I, I don't think you need to explicitly uh, uh, say it. Yeah. I think yeah. saying it like, like when you talking about the old white couple talking about the, the comparing the skin tones of both uh, of their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Um, like I think, sh like saying it explicitly one time or whatever, is 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 probably much as as much as you're gonna get. Yeah. And then you see it all through deed throughout the rest of the film. I felt I felt it explicitly through just actions. I didn't even need to hear them say it. You know, because that's also part reason why, like when when I like if I watch a, uh, um, oh my god, what was that movie Crash? Did you guys ever see that crash? The movie Crash with um. Uh, God, I don't want to say that was Zoe. Uh, Ludacris was in there. I want to say uh, Zoe Saldana and some other people. But it was a dynamic between white people and black people. And it felt like every scene or every other scene, you could feel that. And, and there were a lot of explicit um, um, times where they said, hey, they said X, X, Y, Z. And it almost became like overkill. Right? I kind of feel like they with this with this movie... You're dealing with such a um, with such a sensitive topic, and you're dealing with something as like like racism, showing that that explicit version of it, and then the the inexplicit version of it, kind of balances it out, where it doesn't feel like you're just inundated with, you know, that message right, all right, the time. Right. But and you to still continue. Feel it. To continue that idea of balancing it out, too, I think they did a great job of the inverse as well, right? Showing the way the Osage people felt about mm. white people. And mm -hmm. um, Molly's mom even making the point to say, you know, by the time, like, I'm watching our blood turn white. Like, that, she literally yeah. said that. Yeah. And I thought that was one of the more powerful moments in the film, too, where, like, she can see what's going on in a way that even her family can't at that yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, and she turned out to, I mean, everything she turned out to say was very true. Um, yeah. And I think that theme throughout, um, I, 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 I agree and I disagree with both of you guys. I feel like there, it was there throughout, undoubtedly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think as far as like that becoming a part of the story in the way that you think it would never really happen. So mm -hmm. I, I can understand mm -hmm. what you mean by that too, Matt. Yeah. Um, I think it's only right that we move on to the visual aspects of things. Some of my favorite highlights of this film. Uh, shout out to director of photography, Rodrigo Otiero. I believe that's how you pronounce that. I'm, try I'm trying, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Prieto. I'm sorry. Prieto. Um, I thought as far as like just portrait shots and like beautiful landscapes go like this film in some ways reminded me of two different films uh no country for old men as well as um what is that uh i literally just blanked on it right now it's a it's also a movie about oil um i'm trying to remember the name of it we've discussed this before too um anyway 
No Country for Old Men. My point in bringing that up was I, I just love the way they established this area and the beautiful parts of where they where they live and where they come from, especially when they were doing, um, I believe it was a poem by Molly where she was reciting um, a bunch of different lines about their tribe's past, as well as the lore of the flower moon, which giving us that once again, that detail on what the title is about. Um, and the way they sort of showed the, the lay of the land, so to speak, of where they live and how, like who they are through their presence, um, I thought was very, very well done. And just whenever we got a moment to see the grandness of anything, it's kind of breathtaking stuff, man. Like even just looking at the houses, that's something that immediately took me apart. I'm like, there's no way this is 1920 construction, my, my brother. Like these houses are <laughs> insane. Um, but just to, speaking to the way it was shot, though, I just think they're, they made time where time was needed as far as keeping us somewhere for a long period of time. And then when they had to get us to a new place, establishing this new place visually, I just thought they did such a good job of giving us that that candy, right? Giving us what we want as far as uh, something really nice to bridge the gap between uh, the constantly uh, jumping story. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think um Yeah, that was beautifully said. Yeah, I really don't know how I can I can follow up with that. Um I think Richie had he made me speechless there for a second. <laughs> it took the words in my mouth. Um yeah, I mean I'll I'll keep it short and simple. I mean, honestly, I think that the cinematography was gorgeous. Um and I mean that's that's to be expected with a Scorsese film. I think I just love sort of seeing his portrayal of the Oklahoma landscape, the way the camera was swooping, and we sort of see the breadth of, of, of this world. I think of when Ernest is making his way to his uncle's house for the first time, and you see all the sort of uh, like oil rigs, or like oil pumps, like off into the background, and you sort of see the extent as to how far his influence has over the region. So I think it's a nice little symbolism they use. Um, and I also think another another great aspect was the scenes involving like molly and ernest being in the room where there's only like a single light and it sort of juxtaposed the darkness on the outside i felt like that was really symbolic of just the nature of the relationship right where ernest is putting up this facade is meant to represent the lightness in molly's life and how he's sort of you know making her believe that he's committed to her, that he loves her, and that he wants to do her no harm. But you just compare that to, you know, the, like the metaphorical darkness of the world, right? Of how all these evil things are transpiring and how as soon as they leave, you know, the, the world is completely different. Um, and so just the way they sort of, um, the use of lighting, I think, in those scenes where are very well done um and yeah i think just the, the even like moments where like molly was molly was brought to the hospital after being bedridden for so long how the camera sort of like follows her into the room follows her out of the room we see characters moving in at the same time um you know scorsese could have easily just you know cut the camera a couple of times but the fact that he sort of allowed everything to take place in one shot 
um, really kept me engaged in that moment. And I just appreciate, you know, moments like that because I, I think I said that before the previous episodes, but it's very easy to do shot reverse shot for dialogue scenes. It's the easiest thing to do. But for a filmmaker to sort of, you know, change things up a little bit and not make things feel repetitive um, visually, um, I think is a very, I feel is a very important thing. Um, because you can have the greatest script in the world, but if you're not, you know, taking risk or being amb ambitious sometimes, then that comes as a sacrifice of the story you're, you're trying to tell, right? So, um, yeah, so I think all that really, really made for, like, this, like, a, a beautiful to look at movie, though the irony is that the story itself was, was far from beautiful, right? Um, given all that, all that took place, but. Yeah, no, I agree with that, I think, um. Well, you guys said uh, pretty much just took it off. Like I, 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 I love the visuals in this movie. Anyway, I think um, anytime uh, you have a film that uh, mainly uh, 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 depends on like natural light, I, 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 I love seeing how filmmakers are able to to develop that. Like uh, Revenant, which is another uh, DiCaprio film. Uh, did that and I, I i just love seeing natural light anyway so um i'm just i'm just gonna leave it at that you guys you guys yes. uh, uh, made every single point that could be made <laughs> so the film that i was thinking of is there will be blood by paul thomas anderson so i, I had to get that in there i i had to mm -hmm. had to had to remind myself because i was like it's such a perfect example if you guys haven't watched that film i mm -hmm. recommend it as well um it's also about uh a little bit more heavy on the oil drilling part of it, uh, but also about a settlement in Texas, uh, very similar kind of underlying theme. So um, interesting film to consider there. But as far as uh, wrapping things up and looking at the sort of specific editing stuff in this film, is there anything we wanted to talk about? I think for me, uh, a scene that really hit hard for me was um, the interrogation scene um yes. with tom in that moment too and um Ernest's character there um the way they sort of it's funny because you, you kind of get the story as if you are Ernest, even though you're looking at him mm -hmm. where you see the time pass by where he's like falling asleep and he, they're forcing him to still stand up but then it's it's only a matter of like 15 seconds but then you get the sense that it's hours right mm -hmm. in that one second like I thought that entire scene just did such a good job of using the the tools to uh, really make you feel like you're there with him and you understand sort of uh, the rigorousness of the, the questionings being asked to him there. And then I just think throughout too, like I mentioned, just um, whenever we got to a new place, right? And this was multiple times, right? Where the either the story skipped forward a year and now there's kids, right? Or whatever the case may be, there was so many different ways uh, that they went about changing the scene and moving us forward. Um, and I like the way they did that too with the livestock initially. I, I remember when we first saw the land, I'm like, how the fuck, who is tending to these cows? Like they, there was so many cows. <laughs> um, and I think throughout the film, they they always kind of came back to those landscape full, being able to see the full breadth of what we're looking at. Um, and those editing choices, right, of when to go in tight, for example, when we were there with um, Ernest being spanked by William, right? That was the weirdest fucking scene. If there was a scene that needed to be cut, it was that one for me. 
that was fucking strange, right? The whole, I mean, major like Epstein vibes, right? We got this 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 yeah. room, the Illuminati room with the tiles all laid out in black and white, and then you're you're. To me, I thought initially, right, he like right hand on the Bible was swearing on on what he was saying, and then out of nowhere, all right, so now now we need you to bend over. I'm just like, what the fuck? And then you pull out the paddle, <laughs> start slapping this man. But even like the technical execution of that scene, I thought was so different from everything else as far as it made it very cavernous. We see how big this area is and mm-hmm. how grand it looks with the tiles. And then after that, everything else is tight, right? And everything else is you're in that moment again with Ernest. So I just thought the editing is what kept us there with Ernest, regardless of how much we hated him or didn't want to be um, experiencing the world through his lens, uh, the editing kept us there with him as a character and, and kind of made him not sympathetic, but you're you're along the ride with him more so than uh, you're just there like, man, I hate Ernest. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think um, editing in, in, uh, in, in total, I think, there were a lot of um i think that was that was actually a great example of that but i think for me uh editing this film just like again i think that also in, uh, goes back to the pacing of it and i think that um it was absolutely perfect in how they went about it execution style um i think that uh a lot of the the one part I will say one one scene I think that um, was actually very done very well was the um, the the scene where Henry's execute of uh, Henry's execution. So, you know, I think where this guy is telling saying, "Hey, I actually like this guy. I, I befriended him and everything." And then all of a sudden, you know, you see him as he's telling the story, kill this man. Right? I I think that um, I thought different spots like that even though they were very small and very uh, uh um you can you know overlook them very very well i think that was something that was very very well done so i think that's 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 all i'm gonna say yeah i think um really the only the only gripe that i had i just i can't for the life of me remember the scenes that took place i just remember watching the movie and there was there were scenes that would just like abruptly end and this cuts to the next scene. So I just felt those kind of choices were just a bit odd because it just took me out of the experience. Like one moment we see characters talking, the next we just jump forward all of a sudden. So I felt those moments were odd. I do think that the Edney choices where, again, we saw sort of violence being depicted or characters getting into, you know, disagreements with each other. I thought the way they executed those allowed those moments to breathe mm-hmm. um, and allowed those moments to sort of, again, this be this very, like, shocking factor. Um, and, and again, like, ironically, like, given the context of the movie and sort of how, you know, moment after moment built up to some of the bigger moments, it didn't become shocking, you know, because of just the extent that these people were going to just to just to secure land for oil, right? Um, so yeah, those were the only grip I had with editing. I just like I said, I, I wish I could give more clear cut examples of it. Um, but just like looking back, I just know there are a couple moments I felt that just scenes just like ended ended randomly, almost, and then just like cut to the next scene. So I think there's a couple 
a couple of areas that could have been improved in that regard. But um, yeah, other than that, it's really nothing else I can say. I know Pacey was a was a pretty big point of contention. Um, but I digress. So, <laughs> yes, sir. And just like that, we're getting into our final of the big five audio design and audio, the soundscapes in general. Um, I'll take the lead on this one, too. I thought um, immersion was the key for for this film. I think they tried very hard to uh, not make anything surreal, right? Everything was very much so bringing you into the reality of what these people are seeing, smelling, dealing with on a daily basis. Um, and I thought all of that was really well done, even from like the moments where we got a couple of, uh, I believe that the proper term is a J cut here. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to flex the muscles here a little bit where we get um, a heads up of what's going to happen, right? With the audio cue of these things burning before we actually see the house, right? Um, mm-hmm. Before we actually hear the explosion, we hear the crackling, right? So there yeah. was a lot of different examples like that where, um, yes, we're getting, they're tipping their hand a little bit as far as letting us know what's going to happen before it happens. But um, in my opinion, I think they just did such a good job of keeping us immersed and in the story with the sound design. And nothing felt like out of, out of place. Like even the music was very subtle in a way that like, yeah, I can't pick out a moment where I was like, man, that that music was so good. But throughout the entire film, there was never a moment where it was just silence and conversation. Like, and I think that speaks to how well all of that uh, music fit um, and didn't take away from what we were watching. So I think ultimately when you could have that, that note in general, it doesn't sound sexy, right? It sounds like, Hey, I had nothing to complain about, but in reality, if you're, in a story like this and you're that immersed that in some ways you're not even noticing these things. I think it speaks yeah. to the, the, the level of immersion there. Yeah. I think um kind of angry at you, Chris, cause I really wanted to talk about the music and you took that straight from me. That's okay. I still love you though. Um, Yeah. I think that like, um, the one scene that I can recall is uh, the bomb scene. Um, and just like, because I was in the watch, just watching the movie on my on my iPhone. Like, I literally like felt and heard it take place. And a lot of it obviously had to do with sort of the fact that it just happened. I like how there wasn't really like the the movie didn't like prep you for it. Yeah. It just happened because as we're really entering the lives of these characters it also would have just happened for them you know but just seeing the way how the shockwave took place and you can actually hear and almost feel the windows breaking down um you sort of hear the cries on the outside so i think there was a lot of great technical execution in that regard and really the music i think this is a very underrated score i feel um it's one that doesn't um isn't heard all the time but it's one that um when it is played, I think sort of enhances the scene. Um, because again, I think, you know, we touched upon this before, you never want to manipulate the audience into feeling a certain way. Uh, music can do that, but I think in this particular instance, it, it felt very haunting um, because the story being told is haunting, right? So yeah, this, this really, again, I mean, a, a, as we sit and talk here, 
it's not really much of a surprise because Scorsese tends to, you know, uh, excel at, at at technical execution. So, you know, obviously having watched this movie, it, it's not a surprise at this point. He continues to do impressive work at at the age of, and he's in his late seventies at this point. And the fact that it's just crazy to think that like he's still making films of this scale and to this standard, you know. Um, so yeah, just really incredible. The the that's crazy. I'm just feel like Scorsese's been in his late seventies for years. <laughs> I know. I didn't even. That didn't even. Wow. Um, but no, I I I agree with you guys. I think that um, the 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 soundtrack, even though it's one of those that you you're not like explicitly hearing all the time, is definitely something that definitely um. It adds, it it adds an, another layer to to the storytelling, which is perfect. I think that, um, that's what you want as a filmmaker anyway is to be able to have every element contribute to the overall product, right? Um, I will say I think that um, the very last scene where you we we see these people on stage telling the story of William Hale and Ernest, um, you're hearing the sound effects as they're telling the story. Um, you heard the jail clothes, you heard the typewriter, you heard like everything um, that that the characters within their story were actually doing, and I felt like that was extremely well done because um, it made me think like, oh man, if like. Which actually kind of threw me when they did that last scene, but it's almost like were we in that audience listening to them tell the story? You know what I'm saying? Like I kind of, I kind of, kind of thought about that after, and it, it was just I want to go back and look and see, you know, if there were any elements that kind of speak to that part of it. But to me, the sound design with with just that scene alone, I thought the the sound design, of course, the whole for the whole film was amazing, but but that one in particular i felt i felt like that one was just absolutely perfect well i think it's only appropriate right we've given all our love we've given all of our gripes it's only appropriate now that we give out our star rating for killers of the flower moon um i'm going to force someone to start here and i was thinking how which way should i go about this right and I don't think it's right that I punish Matt because he just told me that I stole something from him. So, damn it, Derek, <laughs> it's on your hands. What is your star rating and defend it, sir? Yes, sir. I'm going to go perfect five, man. I think that um, this is old school filmmaking. I think there's actually a, a, a point that uh, Scorsese um, was trying to, to bring up over the last couple of years when somehow the discussion of superhero films came about and he felt as if that wasn't proper filmmaking right i think this is probably the point that he was trying to make was that there are certain things that you're not going to get within those type of films such as r the runtime right um you're not going to get this within that you know i think that this is just an example of what he was discussing so I'm going to go with Perfect Five. I felt like it was old school filmmaking and something that I would love to see more of. 
um, from up and coming filmmakers. Matt, you're up next. I love it. I, one of the few fives we've given out on this show, so I, I love it. How you feeling, Matt? So this may come as like a bit of a shocker. Not at all. But yeah. <laughs> but I'm probably a three out of five. And I only say that because I am just utterly conflicted about how I should feel. I think the ambition is there. I think the story is obviously there. But I think the gripes that I have is not enough to have it is not enough for me to give the film a higher rating at this point. Um, and I also feel that or the gripes are not enough to make me go lower than three in my um the aspects that I praised isn't enough to make the movie higher than the three. I, I genuinely I don't I don't know. This is like one of the few movies that I would have to revisit again or continue to think about in the next week or two before I have like a firm stance on it. Um so I like I said I think it's it's not a terrible movie by any stretch of the imagination. I think we all can attest to the fact that we've seen far worse um you know, over the past years. But um so I did not at all want to, you know, say this is a bad movie whatsoever because it is one that deserves to be watched by by everybody um at some at one point or another. So yeah, that's where that's where I stand on it. I like it. And I think I'm bridging the gap here. I'm gonna go a four and a half and I know that's the cheap way to go. Uh, but I do agree with some of the things you were saying, Matt. I feel like something that I felt when watching the movie was I was like, man, this is definitely one of those films that like you got to watch multiple times mm -hmm. um, to feel and get a full sense of what was trying to be achieved. And then the thought of watching it multiple times uh, creeped in and I was like, yeah, I don't think I don't think I'm going to end up with that experience just because yeah. of what, what an <laughs> undertaking it is to watch it. Um, yeah. But I will say as far as like the minus 0.5 is entirely the way it ended for me. I think if they would have, I mean, I feel like you could have ended it on us getting a satisfying reaction to Molly, not only seeing the entirety of her life unravel in this way in front of her in the courtroom, but also having that moment with Ernest. I thought the moment that they did have didn't really make sense in context. Mm -hmm. And then for it to end with the sort of hundred foot perspective of, yeah, remember these bad people? Yeah, they only got really a slap on the wrist anyway. And they lived in a yeah. retirement home before they died. Like, it's just like, fuck, man. Like, it, it's already a dark enough story. And I think that broke immersion for me. Once again, speaking of that, that I word, right? I felt like just based on the way the entire story was told, it was so weird to end it that way, in my opinion, just because how in it you were. Um but I think ultimately this is a movie that I would recommend for everyone to watch. Like you said, Matt, I think this is uh, phenomenal in many, many different ways. And it's one of those films that if you give it the chance and you let it grow on you, it will, uh, which is a hard thing to do. Um, so, yeah, four and a half is where I sit. And I don't got any gripes with it, baby. Let's do it. So we are finished. This was another awesome episode of Realish. I can't wait to see what's in store for us next because it's movies like this that really, really get me excited about this show, right? And the potential of what can be shown in comparison to 
uh, the movie we watched the week after. Um, I mean, the week prior. I mean, goddamn, uh, we got so much and really got nothing. But in this one, we got so much and it made you it made you beg for some more. Uh, so I can't wait to see where we go with this one in the future. But before we get out of here, I just want to remind you all that if you want to see more awesome episodes like this, make sure that you're following the brand at OTS Media Co. on all social media platforms, OTS Media on YouTube, and make sure that you're hitting that bell, right? Make sure you're locked in on the notifications so that you can get all of our beautiful uh, content sent straight to your ear holes. But with all that being said, Thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to have you all again next time. And until then, enjoy the show, people.